The WestJet strike was averted at the 11th hour, but several dozen flights were canceled. We spoke to one of our listeners whose flight was scrapped, vacation ruined. They say they'll never fly WestJet again. Starting next week, just next door to us, municipalities in Saskatchewan will have the option to introduce legal drinking in some outdoor public spaces. Would you like to see that here? Greg was at an event on Thursday night and the mayor was there. And the mayor made a big announcement on homelessness, so he joined us live this morning to fill us in. And when it comes to social decency, what is a hill on which you are prepared to die? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, May 19th podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Happy Friday, heading into the long weekend, and want to say it's happy news, but Loren, it's it's a bit of a good news, bad news situation as it pertains to WestJet. Yeah, in the middle of the night, the dead of night, just hours before pilots were set to walk off the job, they reached a tentative agreement. So pilots will not be striking as it stands right now, which is the good news. The strike in theory has been averted. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be some uh, residual hangover of this whole thing. I'm looking at the departures board for Air Canada, or sorry, for the Winnipeg Airport Authority right now. And uh, WestJet flight that was supposed to go to Vancouver this morning right at 6. It was cancelled. It's one of a handful of outbound flights, like one to Toronto at 9.30 that are cancelled. And also flights coming in today are cancelled from some destinations, from some WestJet flights, uh, as late as 5 and 6 p.m. Obviously, they had to make some contingency plans not knowing if the pilots would walk. So you had people with cancelled flights yesterday, people with cancelled flights today. I'm not sure if this will linger into tomorrow, Greg. So the good news would be that overall, you're not to make long-term plans for the next few days if you were planning to be on a WestJet flight. But there are still people who aren't going to be getting where they wanted to go today because they had to preemptively cancel some things. And I think that, you know, ahead of a long weekend, a lot of people are going to feel like they really got burned. I would agree with you 100% on that, Loren. When it comes to customer loyalty, it doesn't, you know, it takes you years sometimes to build up that loyalty and a connection to a brand. And I think in Canada, everybody that flies, and, and when, I, when I say flies, I mean, like, if you've only flown even like two or three or four times over the last decade, everybody seems to have an opinion as to which airline they like the best. And it only takes one negative experience for maybe that opinion to flip for at least to move you to neutral uh, from being a a strong advocate or supporter of one brand or the other. So uh, we'll see if this impacts WestJet and people's faith in that airline. Uh, I I find it uh, bothersome that people did get stuck in certain places yesterday based on Uh, what might happen and what ultimately didn't happen. I understand why, but Brett, that can't make it any easier for people who are waking up this morning in Winnipeg who were supposed to be in Toronto last night to start their long weekend or people who were in Vancouver got stuck in Vancouver who were supposed to be in Winnipeg last night to start their weekend here. All right, so we'll have more to discuss through the morning on the WestJet situation. Also, just a question for you. We want to know what you're seeing in terms of gas prices because I noticed this morning that the Shell station next to where I live on Os- in Osborne Village is 159.9. I don't know when it dropped 
to 159.9. We're seeing the range to 164.9 as well. So what are you seeing? Did you happen to notice on the way in, Mackling? I sort of did. 159.9 at a lot of the gas stations along my route um, over the last couple of days was the prominent uh, number. But I did see some 164.9. Sarah McCarthy mentioned that it was sort of all 159.9s on her way in this morning. She takes a different route than I do. In from the same corner of the city, she just uh, takes a different route than I do. So uh, that prompted the discussion because... In our news, we have this uh, story that anecdotally across the country, it seems as though prices have gone up, but it seems as though maybe they've uh, held steady or maybe even in some cases gone down here in Winnipeg, Lorraine. I, uh, I'm genuinely curious, you know, when you see that, what did you say? Was it 157? 159.9. 159, sorry. I'm trying to think of what I saw at, at, at last night at the various locations as we moved around the city. And I, you know, as you head into the long weekend, you have that expectation that they're going to go up and then stay that way for the entire summer. I still don't feel like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like it's all so bad with gas, no matter where it sits, because it still hasn't gotten back to that low where it doesn't feel like it physically hurts to fill up right. your tank every single day. I felt terribly... You have terribly... to phone my loans manager at the bank to make sure that, yes. that that I can afford to fill the tank. I had my dad run my, my kid to school yesterday. He was in visiting just for, you know, for, for a couple of days. And as he was leaving, and I'm working from home, I would think, oh no, there was hardly any gas in that tank. Sure enough, he comes back. I mean, there's enough to get there and back. Sure enough, he comes back and he's filled it up. But that's very kind. But you're like, no, that's like a $100 gift. It's not like, you know. That's what dads yeah. are for, Loren. I, not when you're 45 years old. Come so on. it was also hilarious that at my age, he still had to do that the same way he would have when I was 16. Some things then never just change. The, just the cost of it. I thought that's embarrassing. And it's it's so pricey. I don't know. I still feel that pain so badly that you got to get me to a 127 or something before I'll even say anything nice about gas. Maybe 117, 107, 97, I don't know, lower. Well, one 159.9 sounds like the number of minutes that that were played in last night's hockey game. Well, yeah, how about this? Uh, it was four, almost four full overtimes, almost seven full periods of hockey last night. Wow. Matthew Kachuk scored with just 12.7 seconds left in the fourth overtime to give the Florida Panthers a 3-2 win. That was game one of the Eastern Conference Final in the Stanley Cup playoffs, better known in these parts as... The North American Ice Hockey League Championships. The game ended just before 1 a.m. here in the Central Time Zone. 2 a.m. if you're keeping track of time zones. That's uh, out in Raleigh where the game was, and of course in Florida where the Panthers call home. It was the sixth ever longest game in the history of the National Hockey League. The longest game... March 24th, 1936, Detroit beat Montreal Maroons one to nothing. They played almost six full overtime periods. Uh, this game last night is the sixth, as I mentioned, longest in, in uh, NHL history. There are three games longer since 2000, but just barely. In fact, the fifth longest is, is ultimately just one minute longer than this game. That's a game in 2003 where Anaheim beat Dallas 48 seconds into the fifth overtime. And if you're wondering, the longest game in Winnipeg Jets history May 24th, coming up on the anniversary of that, 2021, Winnipeg beats Edmonton in the first round. And, uh, oh, pardon me. Stride down along the boards here to the near side, try to get it in, he could not, and there's a breakaway or a partial breakaway for Kyle Connor. He darts in, let a shot go, he scores! Kyle Connor 
Once was nice, twice was a slice, but thrice on the ice will suffice. <laughs> Winnipeg wins it four to three here tonight with her third straight overtime victory. And they'll move on to the North Division final. There was no way I could play that clip without playing Paul's poetry there. Fantastic. Right at the end of it. That is now, by the way, the 37th longest game in NHL history. The Jets beat Edmonton in that first round to move on 46 minutes, 52 seconds into overtime back in May of 2021. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, right now we want to talk about social decency hills to die on. What makes you a Larry David-esque social assassin? Greg, what's the the story here that inspired this topic? So the individual we're going to hear from in this clip comes from Twitter, a gentleman who decided, you know what, I'm stuck in traffic. And we're all going to be stuck in traffic. Not you individuals who think you're more important that want to take the shoulder to get past a traffic jam. Here's what it sounds like. Here we are, stop and go traffic, stuck behind a garbage truck. And a lot of cars are trying to use the shoulder to pass and cut us all. And to them, I say, not today, not today. Sometimes in life, you have to stand up for what's right. And if we're all gonna wait, we're all going to wait together. You know, that clown honking in the back is not helping the situation. And it wasn't one clown. There was a lineup in, of cars. So this guy, uh, Francis Sellis, I think is his last name. He's he's parked himself straddling the line into the shoulder. So he's, people can't go so around? So people can't go past him. <laughs> And so there's a lineup of people honking at him. And uh, for the most part on social media, I'd say it's about eight to two, maybe nine to one. People saying, you are my new superhero. Others saying, who in the hell do you think you are, buddy? I think Francis (laughs) is the guy who yelled at me at the zipper merge last summer. I think think Francis would be in favor of the zipper merge, quite frankly. Well, the guy, he was more like, this is how people are with the zipper merge, where they think that you're cheating the system. Yes. And so they get mad at you. And so the people who are going around on the shoulder, now you're just contravening, like, I think probably traffic laws. Oh, yes, you are. That is illegal. But. But the the zipper merge is more of people just getting like you you think you're so good that you get to cut in and you're like no we're supposed anyway you the know line, it's I got that. honked yesterday Loren because I was zipper merging and there was a huge lineup in the one lane that was going forward and the there was other the reason why that lane was open all the way to that point they was weren't zippering because it's open so that you can zipper merge in and out you don't have to all stand in the line and everybody goes quicker everybody moves quicker it's been the studies are out this it's not controversial. You move quicker in a zipper merge. I got honked at yesterday for doing it. I will continue to do it. I I have no absolute remorse. I will continue to zipper merge. If you refuse to, I'm sorry. That's your problem. Cam, I think we just became best friends. Yes, it's ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody goes quicker. That's it. (laughs) You will get there faster if people zipper merge. I really so want to disagree with you right now, but I can't because yeah. you're right. I know. You're 100% right. I know you'd right. love to, Greg. I know. <laughs> I would love to. All right. So the question today for Shania Twain tickets, November 7th, Canada Life Center. Is there something 
that you go out into when it comes to social decency, is there something you go out of your way to do no matter what, like hold doors or actually throw your trash in the trash? Or is there something you will stop others from doing like this guy blocking the shoulder? Uh, or maybe there's a guy behind you who's speeding up and is a traffic menace. Like you, you look in the rear view mirror and you can see the person trying to play like it's like a frogger vehicle, like just hopping around on the road. And then there, if there's a situation where there's one car that's doing the speed limit and you pull up beside that car. So you're essentially a moving blockade. I'll do that sometimes. Uh, 204-780-6868. Or and is there a behavior you hate? seeing others do like the passing on the shoulder nonsense what makes you a social assassin sarah mccarthy why don't we start with you mine is definitely holding doors for people or when someone is holding the door for you you do that awkward little run like when you're too far away but they're still holding it and you're like ah i need to catch up so then you don't have to hold the door any longer so yeah that's mine just plain and simple hold the door yeah the the holding of the doors uh i always there's like a limit yeah. Like you got to be within like five feet. Yes. Otherwise I, I've, I've given up on holding doors. I've looked oh, back. No. The person's too far back and I, I make eye contact. Sorry, man. Yeah. It's, I don't have it's, it's, I, it's, it's going to take you 10 seconds to get to me. The worst is when you know that there's a lineup on the other side of two doors. Yeah. And so you pull and you hold, you're like, oh, shh. I got to hold the door for this individual or they're going to hold it for me. They get a hold of me. I guess this is the situation that's worse. They hold it for you. Then you've got to hold it for them, the second door, and then they get the last spot in line Mm -hmm. ahead of you. (laughs) That's that's when you're going, geez, should I be doing this or not? This rule doesn't apply at like restaurants. Just saying, because oh. if you like need, you need to get in line to get your table. Like, so there, <laughs> there's there an is, exception. There's an exception to every rule. I like that. Forte, what about you? For me, it's walking. Like for me, when I go for walks on a street that doesn't have sidewalks, I walk on the left side of the road, facing traffic. traffic. Uncle Bob yes. taught us yes. that when we were five. You can make mm-hmm. eye contact with cars coming at you, which is super important. But there's people who walk on the right side of the road, so I'm walking on the left, and they're coming at me. They're walking on the right. So they're walking towards me. I make them go around me. <laughs> I, like, I will not stop walking. I'm not going to Hold go your ground you. for yeah, change. Exactly. Like, I'm doing the correct thing. Mm-hmm. I'm walking on the left side. It's a safety thing. I shouldn't have to walk around you, and then all of a sudden, bah, I get hit by a car. Bah, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, Loren, what about you? I am sometimes the one on the airplane that just will really loudly say things. You know when it's time to get off the plane and everybody jumps up, frantically grabs the brakes, and then we all stand there. And so I like to throw out every – it depends on the moment. You know, like, all go into the same place, everybody. We're all going to get there at the same time. You know, like, oh, kids, good job. Just just relax here. We'll just sit because we're all going to get off at the exact same pace. You know, like (laughs) – and I don't know – I don't do it all the time, but it's just – it depends on the moment. And then on the opposite end, you know, I have been the one that needs to get off right away. Last summer, frantic to get to our connecting flight on our vacation. We were late and they said, please let the people who have connecting flights get off first. And yet the plane – binged and everybody stood up at the same time and i yelled out do we all have connecting flights and they had nobody only one person to run and she's like i do and i was like no that's fine i just i feel like the odds are that we don't all have connecting flights and nobody 
change their behavior. So every once in a while, I, I do get my hackles up. It's a Actually, it's probably not every once in a while. It's probably every single time. Of the time. <laughs> Good for you, Loren. All right. So Cam's on the zipper merge train. Uh, do you got? We got thirty seconds. Do you want to sneak one in here, Cam? Uh, well, I mean, you're upset because you're in the line and you're having to wait. Well, there's a solution to make the line go faster. There's a zipper merge, but it's like cheating in lines, like actual, like like at Disney World and stuff like that. There was a dad and these kids were saying, "Oh, my friends up there," and he was having enough. He was counting all the dollars he spent that day, and he goes, "Well, you know what." You can wait for your friend at the end of the at the end of the ride. They'll sit there and wait for you. And he was just like it's total dad energy. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> total dad, dad energy. Uh, on the WestJet feedback, we're asking you to weigh in at 204-780-6868 now that the strike has been averted. But many flights were still canceled, over 100 flights. And uh, yeah, what does Gary have to say, Loren? Yeah, many flights were canceled. Many people booked flights on different airlines just so they could avoid any headaches. And so Gary says it will be interesting to hear what compensation WestJet offers those whose flights were canceled. I've already been credited 50 WestJet dollars just for being a WestJet Rewards member. And so you don't know if they're maybe just putting out that cash to keep you happy. And I would love to know, 780-6868, keep us posted in the days and weeks ahead. If you had to change your flight to a different airline, if you had to change it and come back early from vacation, was there any compensation offered uh, just for, you know, doing that, let alone reimbursing you for your ulterior or your your other flight. I'd love to know how they're going to handle this in the days ahead. Also, just on the gas prices, we were asking, what are you seeing? Because I noticed that uh, one station was down to 159.9. I don't know when that drop happened from one. I think it was... Recently at 163.9, um, one listener pointing out that uh, the mobile station at the Raleigh Superstore is a buck forty nine nine. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I might have to take that way uh, home today. Yeah, maybe before they jack it up for the long weekend. And before we talk about what's going on in Saskatchewan, uh, social decency hill you will die on. What does Jeff say? Jeff says the conversation reminds me of trying to get out of Costco just before the news, the global news at the top of the hour we were talking amongst other things, the merits of the zipper merge. And Jeff says there are usually two lines to exit Costco where they check your receipts, but most people line up in one. And the second line either has only a couple of people in it or is completely empty. Then I take the second line that's empty. All the people in the first line look at me as if I'm cutting in front of them. I felt that. I felt that (laughs) stinging stare in the back of my neck. Hey, if you're not paying attention... I'm going right over there. I'm going to use that other line. Don't yeah. come out do you at not me. feel like you have to do that thing sometimes? Just moving over here because I can. There's open spaces, everybody. Like you feel like you have to talk it out loud. Years just ago. Just to not sound like you're the, not the cutter. Not anymore. Nah. Nah, I wouldn't do that either. It's the same when you're at the movies and you're, you, you, there's a 20 people in line for popcorn and then there's nobody in line in the other one. Like, I'm, go- I'm going ahead of you. Sorry, I'm observant. Uh, that, <laughs> that's the benefit of paying attention. So keep those social conventions texts coming for a chance to win Shania Twain tickets. We'll pick a winner at 9.15. Montreal, Vancouver, Calgary. They're all on the list of cities where some alcohol can be consumed in some public spaces. And it might not be some. Maybe it's as much as you want, depending on where you're at. But Quebec, for sure, has long been considered the place with the most relaxed rules. So you've been allowed to have a beer or bubbly in a park or at a picnic table in Montreal for years, as long as there is some sort of food present. Vancouver has a list of parks where this is allowed, with some caveats. And the same goes for Calgary, with alcohol permitted at some picnic tables and fire pits. And so now Saskatchewan, 
is getting set to follow suit, but will there be buy-in? And would you like to see the same thing come here? So here's the deal. Starting Tuesday, municipalities and park authorities in Saskatchewan have the power to decide if public spaces like parks should allow people to also drink alcohol on site. So that means cities like Regina and Saskatoon, they'll have to vote on this and then decide if they want to create some sort of bylaw that would allow drinking in public spaces. Global Regina recently went out and asked residents, are you ready for this? I think if it's in a controlled sort of situation, like I think of those like pedal taverns, that sort of thing, like that controlled, but not just like someone out sitting out here having a drink like you would in Vegas. It'll give it more of a European feel. I'll say that. There's definitely times that I that I would do it. I don't think it would be an everyday thing. Uh, and there might be people that abuse that kind of thing. But for the most part, I think it'd be all right. Ooh, that's a tough one. Well, I think if people are of age and they're responsible with it, then uh, I don't think it's that, that much of a concern. Obviously, with any rule, there's going to be some abuse that happens. There's going to be some holes because no laws are perfect. But... I think if it's done responsibly, then uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So there's just a quick snapshot of what people are thinking to the west of us. But right now, there are no plans for any municipality to make the change. In fact, a recent survey of uh, sees a majority of people, some 59%, said they weren't in favor of introducing any bylaw that will allow for public drinking in their communities. Some citing the ability to police it and safety on their list of concern. So what say you, 204-780-6868? If you think this isn't happening already, it, you're, you're kidding yourself. It's been happening for years in public places in a variety of different ways, in a variety of different containers. Uh, people have been sort of taking the law into their own hands when it comes to public performances in public places, uh, just wandering around. Um, I think it's the behavior. That needs to be policed, not the consumption of of the beverage. If you're being a moron, if you're being disruptive to other people, that's when it's a problem. But that's just me. Yeah, I was, I mean, like, so this is Saskatchewan, and I'm curious to see what the municipalities there do with this law once it comes into effect Tuesday and if they'll make their own changes. I don't know. I don't know if... I don't have a problem if we decide to follow suit and do the same thing, except for that I just feel like I, in Europe, it's the thing that stood out to me that you could do it, but that doesn't mean people were doing it. It's just, it's allowed. And in fact, it's usually the tourists who are like, oh my gosh, I can sit here and have a beer. Like how exciting. And so it's the Canadians or others that might be doing it because you can't do it that way in your own, your own home. I I, I do have some concerns only for the moment we're in right now, like for the place we're at right now, where it feels like, you know, we're this dry kindling sitting here waiting for another match to be thrown on and the chaos to ensue just based on what I'm seeing with all sorts of things with crime and, and other stuff that I think, oh, would it make sense to let people do that? But you're right, Greg, the people that are wanting to do it probably already are sneaking that beer to the park anyway. It is Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. We are talking about social conventions, social hills you are prepared to die on, whether it's something that you go out of your way to do, or maybe there's just a behavior you hate seeing, like one listener who said, motorcycles that drive between cars at red lights. I know it doesn't happen often, but whenever I see stuff like that, it it makes me insane. Startled me on the freeways in California. It's completely legal to do that in California. Oh, they can just go around you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's... 
shocking. Well, oh. Sounds bad for everyone involved yeah, in that. not good. But it, uh, I've got a friend who's got a Harley in California. He says, can totally do it, Greg. It's totally legal. Oh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. I had no idea. What does Herb say? Good morning, OB. I can tell you that I have stopped taking my coat off and laying it on the ground for a lady to walk over a mud puddle. <laughs> this is due to exorbitantly high dry cleaning costs. <laughs> sure, Happy Herb, Victoria sure. Day from Herb. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I forgot that that's a thing that people used to do once upon a time, right? Wow. <laughs> Apparently in the movies anyway. Yeah. Uh, Gerhard says the hill I'll die on is walking on a sidewalk or path. I've taught my son to share the walkway. So when we approach others, we walk single file. However, others don't always extend the same courtesy. If I'm walking in a group of two, three or more people are approaching, walking side by side and not moving, I stop. I will stand there and force them to walk around me. And I extend this now to malls, grocery stores, anywhere I'm walking, and a group expects me to make way. Not going to happen. Gerhard, I salute you because I deal with this every single day. Uh, not so much now because I can w- I'm walking outside more, but when I would walk through the concourse on my way home, you know, people just on their lunch break or whatever, two, three, four of them, like single file. Why is it? Is it that difficult to, a thing to comp- to put through your brain? Get out of my way. Two abreast maximum in some places, but typically you got to go single file. So do you pause, Brett, and just wait for them to go around you as well, or say something, or is it more just that it irks you? Um, I don't ever say anything, but I I will give them an, an extra dose of the resting Brett face <laughs> as I as I huff and puff my way around them as angrily as I can. <laughs> so passive aggressive feedback. Yes, yeah. I, I should just say because you know they, I don't. They, 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 there's no malice. They're just you know they're not they're not trying to be idiots. They just are idiots. Well, like Uliana's situation with the elevators, she says, uh, you know, wait for the people to get off. Before you yes. get on. That's his yes. common courtesy, but some people forgotten about that too. Tell and us the a story. people who stand right by the door, like they're like right on the line. The door opens and you're face to face. What do they think is going to happen? It's Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. During the 2022 election campaign to become mayor of Winnipeg, then candidate Scott Gillingham pledged to appoint a senior advisor tied to one of our city's most critical challenges. That's right. Scott Gillingham said at the time that this individual would work as a liaison on behalf of the mayor and the city with a variety of city departments and other levels of government, including indigenous government, with a focus on issues around homelessness, mental health and addictions challenges. And last evening, Loren, the mayor addressed several hundred Manitobans who gathered to support the work of Main Street Project and made an announcement. We're joined now by the mayor of Winnipeg, Scott Gillingham. Good morning. Good morning, Loren, Greg, and Brett. Before we get into who this person is and who will fill this position, Greg outlined a bit about how these responsibilities would work. Why did you see this as an important role for someone to have? Like, what scenario, where do you feel like this would make a big difference in understanding just sort of all the different, you know, machinations of people working on the homelessness issues? Well, most Winnipeggers understand that we have, uh, you know, a lot of challenges right now with so many people struggling with homelessness, unsheltered, struggling with addiction as well. And at the same time, there are uh, so many uh, outstanding organizations within our community that are doing great work on the front lines. And what what uh, this individual, this role in, in my office is, is about collaborating and coordinating uh, with with those organizations to make sure that there's alignment and that we can uh, we can make sure that people that need the help on the streets are getting 
willing to help. And uh, really, I've talked often, uh, many times now, about working together in a coordinated work uh, role, and and that's what uh, this individual will do. Uh, Mayor Gillingham, as far as I could tell, last night's event was extremely impactful for those whom attended in support of Main Street Project, and the room seemed to be very supportive of the name you announced in connection to this position. So can you tell us who will be taking on these incredibly critical responsibilities? Well, I'm very pleased to announce that Jared Baker will begin his new role as uh, the homelessness advisor in my office uh, in early June. June 5th is when Jared will start. And uh, Jared, uh, Greg, as you indicate, he's no stranger to the room last night. Uh, he's, uh, he's worked uh, in, uh, in several uh, different capacities within the community. He has great relationships and established relationships with uh, many of the frontline service providers already. Uh, he's got to great connections to many of the Indigenous organizations. Uh, most recently, he was the executive director of uh, Anushawewin, which is a, a justice, restorative justice uh, organization. He's also worked for the Assembly of Manitoba Chiefs, uh, Kani Kanichuk, and um, the Aboriginal Health and Wellness Centre uh, in over 15 years of his career. Now, this position is a new one. It seems odd that this position would not have existed in the past. So where does the money come from? It's from within the, my existing budget as mayor. The mayor's office has, has a budget, so I have not asked for an increase uh, to the mayor's office budget. In fact, what I did is fulfilled a campaign commitment and reserved one position within my office budget to, to fund this position. You know, and, and as far as never having a position like this before or mayor not having one, I just think that we're in an unprecedented time with the, the sheer level of homelessness in our in our community. And so we have to make sure that at the end of the day, individuals struggling on our street get the help that they need. We can, you know, get them off the street into housing with the, with the supports that they need. And um, so Jared will work hard to to coordinate all this work with uh, with the agencies that are that are involved. So it's a, is it a full-time job then, Mr. Mayor? And does it start with, you know, meeting, like regular meetings with the various groups so we can see where we're, what we're doing and where we might be duplicating efforts or where, where efforts need to be stepped up? Yeah, that's exactly right, uh, Loren. It, it is certainly a full-time job. And um, I, that's what I said to Jared. I said, you know, your first role is to be out of the office, you know, meeting with every different organization to see how things are going, to see where there's coordination, to see where there's where there's gaps and, and overlap. I want to commend, uh, you know, the, the frontline service providers uh, and organizations who are working with the homeless uh, community because there is a lot of coordination. There needs to be more. We need to have, you know, one plan and one focus and one coordinated effort, but uh, a lot of them are already doing good work. Uh, Mayor, do you think that's where some of this has fallen down over the last several years? Uh, you know, <laughs> I cooked for Mother's Day last week and I uh, got advice from here, there and everywhere. And finally, my father-in-law said, too many cooks in the kitchen. And I just sort of nodded my head. Everybody has good intentions here, but if you're not speaking to one another, it, it can actually be a negative. It really can, and and then you we end up with overlap and, and gaps, and um, so where where there are you know where there's overlap, uh, a lot of redundancy right now, uh, we, you know we want to make sure we can identify that so that you know we are working in a coordinated 
manner to to get individuals the help they need. At the end of the day, what all of this is about is about individuals that are struggling on our street. We should be working towards the day when we're celebrating, you know, closing some of our, uh, you know, soup kitchens and and, uh, and and organizations because the work is no longer needed because we've you know pe- people are housed with with the supports they need. So, you know, the goal is to reduce ultimately the number of people on our streets, uh, get individuals into housing, and, and get them the help they need. That's that's really the whole, the whole goal behind uh, this work that Jared will be doing. Mayor Scott Gillingham joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Great news with this announcement. I think it is. I, I think this is a role, as you know, you suggested, long overdue, perhaps, uh, to have someone who is uh, that liaison, that go-between, that that uh, that conduit between the, the different organizations in our community, Loren, and, and the idea that that we all get on the same page with this convinces me that that this has become a much higher priority for this administration uh, because we just simply can't ignore the issues uh, that that coincide with homelessness, addiction and crime in our community. Uh, We might be five years too late in reacting to this. Lots of people doing great things, lots of organizations doing fantastic work. I just think I really like the idea of getting out there and saying, okay, tell me how you directly impact people. Who are you bringing that service to? Is it working? What's your success rate? You know, and then adding that all up and seeing where it makes more sense to alter, change or shift a certain strategy, right? I mean, as he said, the goal is to not ever to not to work these, this person out of a job where someday you won't need a homelessness advisor. Right now, we probably really, really do. And we're asking you this morning to tell us about the social hill you will die on. The social conventions that you always go out of your way to do, or maybe the social behaviors that you see that drive you nuts. And Loren, we're getting all kinds of people weighing in, sort of going after what you and Cam were talking about earlier. Like Amanda, who says, one thing that drives me nuts is when a roadway has gone down to one lane, but impatient drivers in the closed lane drive all the way up to the barricade, passing everybody who has been waiting and expect people to let them in. Please tell them I'm not the only one who gets irritated by this. But this, this is where the zipper merge should be in play, should it not? It's why they have put out campaigns, the city of Winnipeg, to say, please zipper merge. They have signs up at different construction zones that will say, use the zipper merge. Now, those signs aren't in place at every location where it could be applicable, but that doesn't mean it isn't applicable and shouldn't be done. And it's not that person being selfish trying to cut in ahead of you. It like the science, the math has been done. And you can you can look it up yourself or I can send you links, but transportation institutes have studied that if everyone stays in their lanes and goes right up to the barricade and then one car goes and then the next you you zipper in, you weave in and out, you will move faster and at the very least you don't feel like you're stuck in this big long line but everyone moving over to that single lane and letting that space sit free is actually costing everybody in the line so i know i get it i get it every time i do it by at least one driver like i can see them and they'll inch right up like oh that guy's not letting me in oh that girl's not letting me in they're mad Mm -hmm. because they think i'm being a jerk and i'm just doing what society has demanded for years, which is the zipper merge. I remember the first time I saw a roundabout in Edmonton 
back in the early 1990s, and I thought, what are, what are we, in England? What is this ridiculous piece of traffic infrastructure? And then, while well, we've got a traffic circle or roundabout in my neighborhood. It replaced a three-way stop. Oh, my gosh, what a difference. You know, the, the thing that looks obvious isn't always the best thing. We are going to pick a winner for the Shania Twain tickets at 9.15, so you still have time to tell us a story at 204-780-6868. In the meantime, it's an exciting long weekend at Assiniboia Downs because live thoroughbred racing returns to the track on Monday. Darren Dunn, Double D, is the CEO of Assiniboia Downs and joins us now. Darren, good morning, my friend. Well, a pleasant good morning to everyone. Great weekend coming up and uh, culminating with, uh, as you mentioned, uh, the ponies out of the gates Monday night of Victoria Day. So it's sort of Christmas Eve Eve for you, (laughs) in a sense. Well, in a lot of ways. uh, It's our mandate. It's our focus. Even though we are open year-round, we have so many uh, events going on at our facility. Uh, Our primary uh, focus and agenda is live thoroughbred horse racing and our 50 home game schedule, if you will, is nice. uh, set to go on Monday night. Okay, so Darren, just for those, I'm just going to ask this right off the bat. For those of us that maybe don't like wagering, uh, I can still have fun at the Downs, right? Well, absolutely. I, I mean, you can take in that live action, pick a name, pick a color, bang a program on your leg without even spending $2. Uh, watch the horses get saddled, watch the race and hear the thundering hooves and that experience in itself is something that uh, we think is quite rewarding. At the same time, bring the family out on opening night. Uh, we have all kinds of free activities for the kids. And on that note, uh, free admission, free parking, so an inflation-friendly opportunity to come out to a sporting event in Winnipeg without having to reach into your pocket. Uh, and that uh, kids' night opportunity we extended in July, August, through to Labor Day Monday. Every Monday in July and August is uh, free family fun night. Darren, it's Triple Crown season. Kentucky Derby happened a couple of weeks ago. Preakness is this weekend. They call the Kentucky Derby the most exciting two minutes in sports. So for those who maybe aren't familiar uh, with horse racing, why is it known as that? Well, I think it's because there's so much action packed into such a limited period of time. It's not a three-hour football game or three-hour hockey game where you can kind of follow along to the nuances and the, the crescendos and flow of the events out there. It is on out of the gate. Uh, there's 20 horses usually going. So, and this is going to date myself, but it's like a blue light special announced at Kmart in a mad rush of carts trying to get to that uh, product on the shelf that's <laughs> yes, going to be fleeting. Blue light special. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, Darren, how often you overhear someone in the crowd at Assiniboia Downs who might be there for the first time, and they might remark something like, "Oh, wow, I had no idea this would be this much fun." Because people will assume I'm not into it. And you can't help yourself when you're there. Next thing you know, you're going all in on whatever horse it is, or you have these opinions, and you know nothing about what you're talking about half the time, but you're just excited to be part of some really thrilling action. Like, what do you hear in the crowds? Uh, Lauren, I hear that all the time. Uh, You know, that paired with, I haven't been here in a while. I forgot how much fun it is. I need to come back. And, And that's just it. A lot of people circle a date, uh, and this year it'll be August the 7th as we recognize the 75th anniversary of the Manitoba Derby. As Manitoba Derby Day, the day that they do come out, we welcome everybody for that, certainly. But again, the fact is that we kick things off on Monday night. We go right through until mid-September. There's that opportunity early in the week as, we, as we've positioned our schedule for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we're not going to compete with the Bombers and the amazing festivals out there, whether Folk Festival or Dauphin Fest, etc., or even lake life. So like this weekend, have an amazing long weekend at the cottage. Enjoy lake life, but then come in early in the week. Do the downs uh, when you're looking for something early in the week to do that's very cost-effective. 
Darren, and it's not just horse racing. That end of the city in your property there is hosting other events, including Manitowabi this uh, weekend. And uh, there's also the Wonder Shows Family Fun Fair on until June the 4th. So those sorts of things must be a nice complement to what you have going on at the racetrack. You know, that's really true. Uh, our association with Manitowoc is now for the second year in a row. The event's actually at Red Rex Park next door, but we have Indian Horse Relay Racing going Victoria Day afternoon, getting underway at 12 noon. So five or six races in unique style, showing incredible Indigenous skill on display. At the same time, back to your point, uh, you know, we have RCMP Musical Ride returning for the first time in many, many years, July 29th and 30. We have the Summer of Sound Electronic Dance Music Festival, now a two-day event this year. We have Holy Fest coming out there. We have socials, weddings, all kinds of opportunities to take advantage of our facility and open our doors to Winnipeg and Manitoba. And you're right, we like to take advantage of that and have a lot of fun outside of our mandate of live horse racing. 100,000 square foot building, lots of parking, lots of opportunities to be creative, like Wonder Shows. We just had a circus the other day. So, uh, you know, the, the sky's the limit on the imagination of what you can do at the Downs. Our guest is Darren Dunn, the CEO of Assiniboia Downs. And another reason to go to the the Downs, Mr. Dunn, is the food. It's always so good. Amen. I do some occasional, how can I say it, uh, uh, product sampling to confirm the quality, uh, LOL, uh, in my waistline. And my one or two pack uh, can back that up uh, on my way to one day a six. Having said that... uh, you know, we're renowned for all-you-can-eat buffet and the prime rib. We don't cheat on the meat. Top 5% in all of North America that we buy. And the table's yours for the entire evening. So we don't turn our tables. It's kind of like dinner theater in a lot of ways. Come out, enjoy uh, the amazing food. Uh, we'll dim the lights and give you an audio cue every 20 minutes to put the show on in front of you, then back to socializing at your table. But if you leave hungry, it's your own fault. It's well-priced. It's well done. We have an amazing executive chef out there. And uh, it's something to take in. 885-3330 gets you a reservation. I do recommend that that's done. Darren, you have been synonymous with the Cinnaboy Downs for as long as I can remember. When I was a little kid, I lived right across uh, from the perimeter just for about one year on Hamilton Avenue. And we could hear the races being called. And, and you and I are, I think, of a similar age. When did you sort of catch the, catch the calling of the, of the Downs, so to speak? Well, you know what, my friend, uh, as, as a teenager, uh, I've worked here since I was 15. I've never left, so I'm in year 42 coming up. Uh, so a bit of a lifer out there, which is maybe unusual in today's day and age of uh, occupations. But having said that, my apologies for haunting you in the night and uh, the day. Uh, for uh, You know, I was a broadcaster out there for 25 years yeah. calling uh, calling the horse races. So I'm sure you might have had nightmares uh, uh, as I was in your bedroom in your afternoon while you were barbecuing, but hopefully in a good way. Absolutely, Darren. <laughs> Darren Dunn, CEO of Assiniboia Downs, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and we're excited to hear the horses race once more. I appreciate it. Thanks, everyone. It is. And if you want more information, by the way, just head to their website, asdowns.com. Hey, that's asdowns.com. Live thoroughbred horse racing returns on Monday. What did Darren say? If you leave hungry, it's your fault? <laughs> yeah. Like you have no excuse. They have all the options. Yeah, wonderful stuff. Go have fun. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are giving away Shania Twain tickets. We're asking you about the social hill that you will die on. And sometimes deliberations for who wins this thing bleeds into the segment. So here's what we're going to do. 
Greg, I just dropped in another one, third one down. So you read that one gotcha. off air. I'll read the first two on air, and then you pick okay, the, gotcha. the runner-up and the winner. All right. So Andrew, for example, one of our runners-up says, Pet Peeve is adult cyclists who ride on the sidewalk. I will stop and have them go around me. Uh, that's an interesting one, and and it's uh, I, I always wonder like if I would not, not want to ride my bike on – the street because I'm a scaredy cat, but I also know it doesn't belong on the sidewalk. So I just don't ride a bike anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of the problem with the lack of proper bicycle infrastructure in our city that uh, some people make a difficult choice, even one they know that is illegal and wrong. Yeah. Kellyanne Mattis, another runner up who just sort of talks about the overall lack of common courtesy in public. Kellyanne says it's the main reason I will never work in retail airline or the restaurant industry again. Joe Public has become entitled and rude. It is also one of the main reasons some of these places are having a hard time finding workers. Ikea used to be a happy place to work. I do takeout when I can now because I'm just tired of sitting beside utter rudeness in restaurants. And airlines, well, add people's hard-earned money to those frontline workers whose job it is to help you. So, Mm. Kellyanne, that's great observations. Thank you for that feedback. But, uh, Greg, who is our runner-up. Our runner-up is Gerhard Peters, the hill I will die on. Walking on a sidewalk or path, I've taught my son to share the walkway so when we approach others, we walk single file. However, others don't always extend the same courtesy. If I'm walking and a group of two, three or more people are approaching, walking side by side by side and not moving, I stop. I will stand there and let force (laughs) and let force take them around me. I extend this now to malls, grocery stores, anywhere I'm walking, and a group expects me to make way? Not gonna happen. But our winner today is Craig. Craig Mackey says, my social hill? Kids who try to swear like sailors in public, when instead it's just a random stream of curse words that carry no effect. They will get a blast from me. I'm not against swearing, says Craig. I'm rather prolific myself. However, tis an art. It's all about swear word selection, timing, and placement within the phrase. Get it effing right, says Craig. (laughs) So Craig, if I've got this correct, isn't concerned about the swearing. It's doing it in a grammar correct in a properly constructed and well thought out process. Is this what I'm getting? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. When I started reading it, I thought it was just about kids swearing in general, but no, it's not kids swearing in general. It's about kids who are swearing, but don't know how to do it properly. Poor sentence structure <laughs> is basically what it comes down to. Ah, uh, Craig, we caught, we just spotted that one right Fantastic. under the wire. You are the winner of the Shania Twain tickets. Congratulations. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Loren McNabb is currently uh, just going packaging up something we uh, heard from one of our listeners earlier who said, I'm never booking WestJet again after their flight was canceled. And Loren is speaking to a member of that family. So we're going to share that with you in a few minutes. But right now, our next guest was raised in a small town in Canada. 
and now residing in the big city of New York. This comedian has become a favorite at clubs all over North America, Asia, and Europe. You may have seen him on Much Music's video on trial, NBC's The Bridge, Queer as Folk, the TBS movie The Jasmine, and as a co-host on E-West. Our guest has also been featured in several prestigious comedy festivals, including Just for Laughs in Montreal, The Clean Showcase show at Laugh Fest, and as the main headliner at the Windsor Comedy Festival. Brett? According to his bio, he is charming, candid, and laugh out loud funny. So let's find out. Appearing this weekend at Yuck Yucks, Michael Harrison. Hello there, Michael. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing great, doing great. And Lara? Yes, Hi, Lara. Hello. Good morning. Yuck Yucks, how are you? Yeah, that West Jet, that's, uh, I'll miss the jokes. Yeah. I'll miss those <laughs> West Jet jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so first, from which small town do you hail? I come from uh, Violet Butte, Saskatchewan. Uh-huh, and there it is. Right? Michael and I were talking on the way, and he goes, you know, some of, uh, you've done your research. We were talking about some stuff. <laughs> and he goes, well, like some people will ask, what, well, so where are you from? Yeah, yeah, it always we starts a, with that. Eh? We have a rivalry with Saskatchewan. Yeah? If you didn't know, does Saskatchewan have a sort of have more of a natural rivalry with Alberta and this Manitoba Saskatchewan thing is a figment of Manitobans and imaginations or or like is there anybody in Canada that you don't like Oh, I don't unquote. even know. I just know Saskatchewan, we have nothing. So, like, <laughs> starting fights is the best thing we can do, right? Like, <laughs> we're good at that. We're, we're like, it's amazing how, how angry you could get when you have nothing to do. Like you it. have nothing to do. You get jealous right away. So, yeah, I assume we're, we're after Manitoba. We've trashed Quebec. We've trashed Ontario. Don't feel special, Manitoba. All right, Saskatchewan hates everyone. Well, let me ask you this, because this is in the news that on May 23rd, some municipalities in Saskatchewan are going to have the option to introduce legal drinking in some outdoor public spaces. Ooh, okay, okay. So you got got something that we don't have. I don't know if I trust Saskatchewan with that law, but we'll give it a go, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, how many small towns can we burn down? Well, we'll find out. Since when has drinking in public places out west been illegal? Yeah, right! (laughs) (laughs) That's the other thing. Some of our listeners are asking that exact question, (laughs) and it is ironic because the first time I went to a game in Saskatchewan, to get a beer at a Rough Riders game, you first had to line up to get a wooden token. (laughs) And if and, and that cost you five dollars, and if you wanted to skip the line and get a beer, you could get one for seven dollars without the wooden token. I don't know what that was all about. I think it was a trick on Manitobans. Ooh, speaking, the one discount, I got here. Exactly. Yeah. So speaking of travel, if I'm following the correct Michael Harrison on Instagram, it would appear as though you just had quite the adventure, which is that would be great if you did follow the yeah, wrong one. Though. Be the wrong one, right? Yeah. By the way, so what's uh, being a ventriloquist like? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> and you say that because there. There is a Michael there Harrison. Is. There's a ventriloquist That's named right. after me. That's right. You just went through the Panama Canal. Talk about working on cruises. Wow. Yeah, I know. Cruises are hilarious. They're That's so fun. That's what killed the Winnipeg economy, by the way, was the Panama Canal. I know. Remember that? Yeah. I know. You're bringing up a testy, a testy topic. Well done, Larry. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Funny. That was the first thing told to me when I came to Winnipeg. I was like, oh, I came for the Panama Canal. And they're like, don't say that. <laughs> This is you might want to how keep that to yourself. You. We yeah, have very long memories. <laughs> yeah. 1919. Too soon. Too soon. So you do lots of stuff online as well. How important is that component where, you know, you, you like to perform, but yeah. you probably have to be keep busy with other things too. Of course. To, to, so like how big of a part of, like how much work is that stuff? Oh my gosh, I love it right now. Are you kidding me? You get it, like everything's so cheap. Your phone has like 4K cameras. You can make like sketches. You can make, you know, whatever you want. So yeah, I'm uh, be looking, <laughs> looking at making a TV show right now. 
So getting that together, we're looking at grants and stuff. And uh, I put out a podcast that won several awards called uh, Character Debates. If anyone out there wants to listen to a super funny podcast. You had a, a fantastic take on golf, but it's slipping my mind right now. Oh, yeah. We debated if golf's the most boring sport. Right. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Greg shared that with me. Okay, so... so yeah, there's, a, there's an actual golfer, Phil Kepka, who said that golf is the boringest sport and it should maybe be cut down to nine holes. Really? Yeah. Brooks Kepka said that? Yeah, he said that in, like, 2019. So, like, that was sort of where that stemmed from, is that oh. we couldn't believe it, but that's self-admission. But really, what... <laughs> I'm going to lose viewers here. I don't care. Uh, what is What is more boring? Maybe cricket? That would mean, be it. It's got to be play, golf. Playing golf or watching it? Golf. Uh, both. We'll go with both. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> Everything. Everyone who tells me a highlight of my buddies about golf is, oh, man, I got so drunk. <laughs> and they let me drive, you know? And I'm like, okay, guys, that's uh, that's not really the sport, but yeah. But you, I mean, remember, you remember David Merry? Oh, yes, of course. David Merry used to say uh, at the beginning of his show, Comedy Magician, he would say, uh, Columbus came over in 1492. And if you think about the distance, that's pretty good golf. <laughs> that's awesome. Awesome. Well, the whole idea of, of golfers being able, like real golfers like Brett can yeah. remember the course layout of every course he's ever played and probably just about every single shot he's yeah. ever played. And so that that is intimidating to me and all my best stories prior to 2006, before my kids were born, started with, me and my buddy Johnny had so many beers. Yeah, back, right, right. Right. So, so talk about the t- type of comedy that 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 you like to get into because I know uh, you you and your brother have a little bit of a sibling rivalry uh, that is featured once in a while. Yeah, fair there, fair there. Actually, uh, is I, he the better looking one? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that's always the worst, right? This is the research you've done. This is very fascinating. Hey, I feel Stayed like up my, all night, Michael. Yeah, he contacted my mom, sent him notes, asked him about his brother. You know. Uh, yeah, my brother, he actually used to get compared to like Brad Pitt, right? So I know, and I was like short and fat and <laughs> had glasses and acne. I know, it was uh, ridiculous. And then I found out when I was 14, he had a different dad and no one told me. I know, no one told me. And I was like, oh, okay. You must have felt a little better after that. Yeah, I thought he got the good genetics the whole time. And then I'm like, oh, he just had the good dad. I guess that was it. That was it. He got the... <laughs> Uh, so your time with uh, Much Music's video on trial, any sort of like highlight videos that you got to roast in that? Oh, yeah, that's why uh, I did YOLO with uh, Drake. I remember that was when I first found out what YOLO meant. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's so cool. This guy, you only live once. I'm in on that. Um, yeah, Calvin Harris, everyone. But it becomes like such a blur because you're like, oh, I just got to be mean. You know, that's all I have to do on this show. So, yeah, video on trial was fine, but it was also so easy. So easy. Is that your nature to find the negative or do you try and come at things from a different point of view? Not really. I'm more like, yeah, I'm more like just honest, vulnerable. Like right now I'm talking about like, I don't know. We never talked about what I could say on here. But like I have a very funny story about uh, immigrating to America. And they, I'm not lying, on the, I had to do an interview. They asked me if I ever committed a genocide. What? Yes. Can you believe that? <laughs> to, to immigrate. And I was just sitting there like, why? What did you hear? You know, like, I don't understand. 
what you're talking about. You, got, you have to be careful how you answer that question. I know. Too, especially as a comedian. Hilarious. Isn't it great that they think that people who do that are known for their honesty? Like, they're just going to walk in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kill that ton of people, but I, I'll never lie. I, you guess, know? I guess you heard. The, the gig is up. <laughs> yeah. First question, you're done. Right? It's like, why did we wait this long? You should have put it in the application. Well, speaking of the gig, Lara, when can we see Michael Harrison this yes, weekend? Yes, uh, with the holiday weekend, we have one show tonight and one show tomorrow. Ooh, yeah. And, uh, you know, they're filling up, but uh, come on down. It's a very high-energy show. Uh, Dean Jenkinson, I was speaking about your brother, a little yeah. bit of a doppelanger there. You you know Dean? Hey. I would say. I, I put them side by side. They were in the same position <laughs> on stage. But Dean's going to be emceeing, yep. and I might go up and, and, and do a set. So, um, you know, it should be a fun show. Yeah, guys. And also find me on Instagram at Michael Harrison Comedian and check out my podcast, Character Debates. We, uh, we've won four awards now, so nice. do it up. Congratulations. And not a ventriloquist. Not a ventriloquist. <laughs> you don't see, you don't see. The only dummy will be me. That's it. That's the only one on stage. Michael Harrison performing this weekend at Yuck Yucks. Nice oh, to meet it you. Oh, and uh, it's buy one, get one uh, for, for the two shows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in, in tribute to the holiday. Anytime yeah. you guys try to close this, we're going to interrupt you. Yeah. And say well, a new like, thing. Here's like what I'll do now. Four, Mike one yeah. off, Mike four off, Mike two off. We got to <laughs> we got to get out to hear from Lorenz uh WestJet situation <laughs> next after we check your forecast on CJOB. It's Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a couple of minutes, we're going to check in with Hal Anderson to find out what's coming up on Connecting Winnipeg. But before that, we want to talk WestJet because even though there was an 11th hour, uh, they were able to avoid a strike, there were still dozens of flights that were canceled. And, Loren, we heard from somebody this morning who was not too happy about it. That was listener Clint. His wife, Shannon Gresbenek, uh, just got off the phone with her. So she and her husband and their daughter, they had a 6 p.m. flight to Abbotsford to visit family in B.C. tonight. Their daughter works up north, so she took an entire week off because she had to make the drive down here for the trip and then, of course, the drive back next week. Their flight tonight was with Swoop, which is the low-cost version for WestJet. We were watching the flight statuses last night, and at 10.30, we noticed that uh, our flight... From, with Swoop to Abbotsford showed cancelled. Um, we still have yet to this to, to this morning, we have not received any kind of email stating that it's been cancelled or that there will be refunds. There's just been no communication whatsoever. And with Swoop, you can't call or get any kind of information from them. Because it's just an online service? Correct. And so what we did is when we got the cancellation showing last night, we had to cancel our flare bookings home because we were booked with flare to come home on Monday out of Vancouver to Winnipeg. Um, we have yet to get a, we're not getting a full refund. They're giving us a partial credit to use in the future. Like how long have you been planning this trip for? We've been planning this trip for months. Um, we have a whole bunch of stuff that we're booked into doing zip lining in Whistler and a boat tour in Vancouver and a bunch of things that my sister-in-law booked us into that she's now trying to scramble and try to find other people to go with her for this because they won't give her money back on that either. I'm just wondering what emotions you're feeling now, Shannon. Massive disappointment. We have uh, yet to be out to my sister's um, since her husband passed over eight years ago um so she was really looking forward to us coming out and seeing her new place and uh enjoying the weekend with her 
Um, so the disappointment is not only with us, it's with her and her family that were unable to come. And she's made a lot of arrangements, taken time off work and done a bunch of things for us to be there. And uh, it's just not going to happen. So I, I don't think that we're going to be able to do this again. Like we have really different schedules and being able to arrange something to do it again for this summer won't, won't happen. It may have to be another year from now. So they're out this trip, guys. They're out the flight. They're out the vacation days. Their daughter took off. They did try ahead of last night's cancellation to book with Air Canada when they heard that the strike was potentially coming. They did look to make backup plans, but the flight's on Air Canada were in the thousands of dollars for them all. So they also feel like they're being taken advantage of by Air Canada. Shannon says her husband will never fly WestJet again. They're not mad at the pilots. They're mad at the response and the customer service right now. Zero communication whatsoever. And this trip that they've been planning for, as you heard for months, they don't know if they'll ever get to do it again.